Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly episodes for our thoughts on movies, TV, music, and video games, not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us on this fine Tuesday afternoon. It is August the 29th. 2023 we're almost in september people and i know this to be a fact because this morning uh we did a little taster of the new starbucks uh beverages and snacks that are for the fall season because they like to get ahead of things i didn't have the pumpkin spice latte though we elected for the brand new apple something shaken espresso okay folks folks do you like apple cinnamon things? Things that have cinnamon with apple in it? Yeah, yes, it tastes, from time to time. This thing, this shaken espresso thing, tastes like an apple cinnamon Pop-Tart. Ooh. It's pretty good. Okay. We are going to uh, walk to Starbucks tomorrow, so probably check that out. It might be a little coffee-y for you, because I know you don't like the espresso. Oh, no, yes, yeah, so there's the espresso in it. But tell Kristen that it's recommended. Um, okay. And I got a pumpkin loaf to go with it. Christy apt- opted for the apple croissant, though. She says that was excellent, if a bit sweet. Okay. Uh, we have been getting a lot of Starbucks gift cards, so we're looking to forward to using it tomorrow. Cash them in, baby. Cash them oh, in. Yes. But Anyways, in the meantime, we got to cash in on I this episode. Derailed a little bit. It's episode 398. Can you believe we're two weeks away from the big 400? It's happening. Yes. Um, this upcoming week is um, a Labor Day weekend. Yes. So. Um, so, yeah. Then fall and back to school stuff officially starts officially. Yes. So, so before we get to, to all that, that and yes. we got to wrap up the end of August here. And we got to start with this episode with the music section. Start the music section with the billboard. And start the billboard with the Hot 100. And Indeed. the hottest song in the land is Richmond, North of Richmond, by Oliver Anthony Music. We'll get to that in a new story in a little bit uh, yes. for context. At number two, Fast Car by Luke Combs. At number three, Last Night by Morgan Wallen. Once again, completing the country trifecta at the top three of the Billboard 100. At number four, Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift, because it is still summer. And rounding out your top five, Paint the Town Red by Doja Cat. As for for your album chart, your Billboard 200, at number one is Utopia by Travis Scott. Mm -hmm. At number two, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Mullen. Coming in at three, Unreal, Unearthed by Hosier. At four, Barbie, colon, the album by various artists. And we're going to get your top five, Midnights by Taylor Swift. So, just a couple notes. Uh, first off, not a whole lot happening in the Hot 100 this week. You have the, the Doja Cat song entering brand new in number five. Mm-hmm. Everything else stayed in place last week. Um, a note about the 200. This is pretty much the same, except we have the Hozier. By the way, it's Hozier. I believe you called him Hosier. Yes, Hosier. 
Hosier uh, making his debut this week at number three. And then we have a Taylor Swift swap that happened between Speak Now, Taylor's version, and Midnight's. Midnight's returning to the top five. Mm. All right. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. We do. Starting with Light is Gone Again, or two, by Field Medic. Club Roman Tech by Iconopop. Yes, that Iconopop. Yes, they love it. Nice what you did there. <laughs> uh, Hell Mode, in all caps, by Jeff Rosenstock. Mm-hmm. Relentless by Pretenders. Yes, those Pretenders? Yes, the Pretenders. Uh, Everything is Alive by Slow Dive. Rabbit Rabbit by Speedy Ortiz. And lastly, Summer of No Light by the Nat Viral. <laughs> or natural with the V in it. I think it's a church's thing, yes. Yes. Um, I'll be listening to the Jeff Rosenstock record, and I'll be listening to the Speedy Ortiz record. So I'll be able to talk about those next week. All right. Well then, let's move into our music news, and we start uh, over in Vegas. Stopping by the Adele concert. I'm sorry well, I keep doing stories about Adele concerts, but this one was very funny to me. Yes, well, Adele uh, stopped her concert during her Las Vegas residency uh, a couple days ago on the 26th to scold the Caesars Palace security who was, quote, bothering one of her concert goers. In a fan-captured footage, Adele can be heard stopping her for performance of Water Under the Bridge to ask what was going on in the crowd. The fan was holding what appeared to be a selfie stick and was dancing and singing along while recording the entire interaction, which the fan did later post on TikTok. Quote, uh, as Adele called out to the audience, What is going on there with that young fan who's been bothered so much since I came on for standing up? What's going on with him? Yes, you. With your hand up, yes, yes, you. Uh, close quote. Security can then be heard negotiating with the fan about sitting down, uh, but the muffled audio of the video conceals the source of the problem. Adele then uh, continued uh, asking, Why? Why are you bothering him? Can you leave him alone, please? They won't bother you anymore, darling. You enjoy the show. Leave him alone. Sorry, guys. He's been bothered the whole show by security and other people sitting behind him. He's here to have fun. All of you are here to have fun. Uh, As security then quickly apologized as they followed her orders and left him unbothered for the remainder of the concert. So I feel like this is just underlining a classic uh, concert issue. Um, Whether or not people are allowed to stand or should stand if the people behind them are sitting. So it's also a classic conundrum of how much and how long should you be able to record a performance? Yeah, who knows if they were concerned more about his height and not being able to see around him or the fact that he could have they could have been being recorded by his selfie stick. Unclear. Uh, obviously, we haven't heard from either party. Uh, but what I'll say here is like Adele is right. Like if you go to a concert, there's a certain uh, percentage of possibility that you will not be able to, especially when seats and you're not all standing on the same level. 
there's going to be a chance that the person in front of you is going to be taller than you are. I'm sorry. That's just, you take the gamble, you roll the dice, that's what you get. Sure, you've spent money on Vegas tickets to see Adele, and you'd like that not to happen. But sometimes it's just gonna happen. And you're going to have to you figure get it the out six yourself. foot five person sitting in front yeah. of you. Yeah, this is unfortunate. Um, you know, I, I have very little sympathy, um, uh, honestly, for the people who are, are, who are complaining and complaining to security, no, no, no less. You probably can bet one person in this party got up, got security, dragged them to the seat to try to negotiate, as the story puts it, with the man in front of them. It's like, that seems like they were just <laughs> looking to have a bad time at this concert. Like, just look around them. Well, it's either that or someone spent $800 and <laughs> complained to security that I spent $800 to see Adele, and I can't yeah. even see Adele. I'm sorry. It's just people are going to stand up. People are going to sing along. People are going to use their phones and take video. It's just these three things are always going to happen, and you can't avoid them. See, I feel like that would be the worst part, though, is that having someone sing off-key while you have Adele <laughs> singing in front of you through oh, the whole thing. Trust me, I, I'd i like to think of myself as a decent singer. I don't think I'm an off-key you did have You did do choir, yes. However, I have been the subject of this <laughs> uh, kind of complaint. I went with, to a concert once where someone... Oh, I hope they don't listen to this. Um, <laughs> I don't think they will. Uh, I went to a concert once with somebody... And they literally, I was singing along to my favorite, my favorite song of this person's. And I was singing along to it. And they have the nerve to look to, to, to turn to me and say, can you not sing along right now? I can't hear the person. I don't know if it's like the acoustics or something. I just can't hear them. I want to hear them. And I'm like, I was just baffled. I was just like, how dare you? <laughs> I came here to enjoy myself. So yeah, like, sorry. I no sympathy for those people. Let the guy have fun. Come on. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, uh, concerts. People still go to them. People still complain at them. Yeah, turns out. Alright. Uh, so, let's uh, then circle back around to uh, Oliver Anthony Music, as we mentioned, or as you mentioned, uh, when we talked yes. about him in the Hot 100. Well, Oliver Anthony, the country folk singer behind this year's most surprising number one hit, Richmond, North of Richmond, uh, delivered a message to fans in a teary-eyed 10-minute video, yes, 10-minute video, posted to YouTube. In the video, Anthony addressed his viral songs mentioned at Wednesday's GOP debate. Moderator Martha McCollum opened the debate by asking Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, why he thinks the message of Richmond, north of Richmond, is striking a chord with Americans. And DeSantis responded by bashing the current president, uh, Joe Biden, and referencing Congress as, quote, those Richmond, north of Richmond, have put us in this situation. In a very <laughs> slanted rhyme, I'm going to assume. Quote, uh, as Anthony would uh, go on into his video uh, to say, quote, it's aggravating to seeing people on conservative views, on conservative news, try to identify with me like I'm one of them. It's aggressive seeing certain musicians and politicians act like we're buddies and act like we're fighting the same struggle. 
like we're trying to present the same message. It was funny seeing my song at the presidential debate because I wrote that song about those people, you know. So for them to sit, to sit there and listen to that cracks me up. It was funny seeing the response to it. That song has nothing to do with Joe Biden. It's a lot bigger than Joe Biden. That song is written about the people on that stage and a lot more too. Not just them, but definitely them. All right. So before we get excited or happy or think, oh shit, Oliver Anthony's on our side, I want to pause because we need to think critically about what he's actually saying here. So sure, he's saying that he doesn't want the conservatives, conservatives to take ownership of his song. He wants to make sure that people don't misconstrue his message, that somehow he was supporting that kind of conservative Republican line of right-wing thinking. That's fair. That's fine. I'm glad that he specified, because if he didn't, if he remained quiet and didn't respond to it... Or it if he did the Jason Aldean thing right. and told the line it. of just a not uh, a saying nothing. Right. And so, yeah, it would have been seen as as support. And so I guess it's a good thing that he did clarify. But the thing is, is that this just complicates matters further. Because here's the thing about when you don't pick a side. <laughs> you feel, it, this feels very centrist. This feels, feels very wishy-washy. This feels very like, well, I don't like them, but I'm not going to tell you what I do like. I'm not going to tell you what I did mean, and I'm not going to say what any of this actually, what I actually feel. I'm just going to say, well, the song speaks for itself, even though he had to clarify that the song with the song didn't speak for. Hmm. <laughs> Second thing about this, this is still a song that has a line in it of, that pretty much talks about the classic cliche of the, quote, welfare queen, unquote. Um, which, if you're not familiar, is this, um, I believe it or originates in the 80s, in the, the Reagan era, in which a lot of right-wing talking points were based on, well, people who are unhealthy abuse the system by continuing their unhealthy habits and taking advantage of, quote, handouts, unquote, or welfare, basically having the government pay for them to continue those bad habits. The line in the Oliver Anthony song specifically that I'm re referencing, it has to do with the government. I, th I forget the exact quote, but it's like the government shouldn't pay for the, the the obese person's like snack cakes, essentially. It's like, all right, guy. OK, that's pretty coded language you're using there. And that does not at all give you a get out of jail free pass just because you're like, well, I don't like Ron DeSantis. It's like, cool. You cannot like Ron DeSantis, just like we do, but like you also have to keep in mind you're also being like weirdly judgy about like welfare and like and and like fat shaming and like okay, what are you actually saying then? Like, let's actually boil this down. So I don't know, I don't think in any way does this make him like like clean up his image or like benefit him in any way. I think he he's just made enemies of everybody at this point. Well, I think it's more, I mean, no, I'm not even going to say what I think because I even have even listened to the song. So sure. what I say doesn't even really matter at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's so probably... Maybe I should listen to the song first. So or that's maybe the I shouldn't because it's going to be gone. Like, I would listen to the song, but if it's going to, if he's coming out and saying this, 
and it's probably gonna be like gone in a week and it's now just a blip on the radar well, I need to what i was to gonna it. say is i don't recommend it because on top of all the dumb like stuff in it like lyrically it's also terrible it's an awful sounding song so no you don't need to listen to it <laughs> you can skip it you're fine okay Anyway. Well, see, this is just one story about uh, someone in the music industry going after someone in the GOP. Because <laughs> the other one that you don't have here is Eminem issuing a cease and desist letter to uh, GOP yeah. nominee uh, Vivek, what's his face? Yeah. I didn't to stop include... using his uh, was it Lose Yourself song. Yeah, I didn't include that because those happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wouldn't be the first time, I don't believe, for a a right-leaning politician using lose yourself <laughs> and Eminem having to deal with that so yeah i didn't include that because yeah of course of course because of course they think they can get away with it but does this make Eminem the new twisted sister i mean because they keep you... using the same thing yeah i mean say what you will about Eminem. i don't agree with him on a lot of things but at least he's like pretty fast with that kind of thing he's like absolutely not no you don't use well yeah he spits like 300 words a minute of course he's fast <laughs> yes <laughs> very funny <laughs> all right so uh did you end up listening to rat boys i did uh so the new rat boys record the window uh was out this week uh if you're not familiar with rat boys um if you like alt country slash indie rock if you like combination of alt country and indie rock you will love rat boys they're a band that's been around for a while almost a decade at this point and they keep putting out consistently great records. This one is different for a couple of reasons. One, they say that it's their most collaborative recording process ever. They were in the same room a lot for this one, which was rare for their previous recordings. And you can tell there's like a sense of togetherness and a sense of like, um, like more like they were in, you can tell that they're in a room together kind of vibe. And then also, it uh, got some help by a relatively big name. It's produced by Chris Walla, who is a member of Death Cab for Cutie, and is now, now not a member anymore, but he is an active producer now. Um, and so he helped them out, and it really refined their sound. I think it's their best record yet. Um, it sounds great. The production is pretty amazing. Um, there's a variety of different things happening here. There's some lo-fi rock here. There's some classic, like, folkish country vibes. Um, there's something for everybody here. It's great. It's fantastic. Easily one of my favorites of the year so far. I even recommend that you should give it a try and see what you think of it. I think it's their most accessible record, but not in a bad way. Not in, like, a, like, this is worse way. I think it's a good bridge for somebody who's already used to, like, a country sound Speaking of the record, we'll talk about it in a moment. It's not that far off from from that kind of thing, is what I'm saying. A lot of it. Uh, you might be pleasantly surprised. Maybe I will have time to check it out. Speaking of that country album you mentioned, uh, yes, Turnpike Troubadours issued out a new album called A Cat in the Rain, which, by any instance, you should not pick up a cat in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> Nor should you put your cat out in the rain. They don't no, usually no, like it. No, they should do that either. Uh, but yes, uh, Turnpike Troubadours with their third official album uh, is a country bluegrass uh, style of music. Um, definitely not in the mainstream. Definitely more of the uh, hard guitars, fiddles, banjos, 
harmonicas, lots of harmonicas, especially in this one. Uh, but as I was listening to it, I don't know if it was just me, but I was trying to find like, okay, what's the next one, next like Turnpike song that I'm going to be like attached to, that I'm going to be like over and over. I'm just going to have like repeat value into it. And with this album, I couldn't really find one. Um, I don't know if that's just because I wasn't introduced to me by someone else, like someone that I know. Uh, so this was like me first time trying to like, okay, new album, new to them relatively. So let me try and find like, what's going to be the one song that's going to be like the hit. And I really couldn't find one. I don't know if that's just because it was very like mellow and sounded a lot like the stuff on their albums that is not the hits that I'm used to. It's yeah. more like the long drawn out storytelling music vibes, which is good, but I couldn't quite find the, that, that like next level hit step. Um, as we've mentioned with other country records of people like needing to do better or try better. I liked what they did. It just, something wasn't really clicking for me to where it was like an instant hit for me. Okay. And I think that's kind of where I landed on it. Just might just need to listen to it more. But if I had to listen to it more, maybe it's just not a good album. <laughs> okay, fair. I was actually curious about how you would land on this. I did not listen to the entire album, but I did get halfway through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't out of like any distaste. It was literally just I ran out of time and my AirPods died, <laughs> um, which happens at work. And so, yeah, I um, but I did like what I heard. Um, you're right, 100% though. Its vibe is very slow paced. It's very much about the lyrics. It's very much about the storytelling. If you like bluegrass and you're expecting that kind of like that kind of vibe, you're going to love it. But you're right. If you're looking for a, like a hit song, like something that's going to be a little bit like an earworm, something like catchy, yeah. something to like say, like, oh, yeah, that's a good song. Can't wait for them to play this at a concert. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really happen on this album. And I don't think the closest going... you get to is a cat in the rain is the, uh, the title track. Yeah, and I don't think they're going for it. The vibe that I got is that they wanted to kind of remain into that, like, conversational tone. Mm -hmm. And it does a very good job of what it is, though. I really liked the sound, like, the lushness of the instrumentation. I really liked the sound of it. The production's really stellar. Um, I don't love the guy's voice, but that's maybe just a personal thing. For me, I'm picky about vocalists, but, like... Generally speaking, I was shocked with how much I was vibing to it. I was like, all right, okay, I get this. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. It reminded me a lot of, like, that kind of mid-2000s, like, bluegrass revival that we had for a brief moment. I don't know if you recall this, but there was a there was a moment in maybe not <laughs> mid-2000s, but early 2000s, where the bluegrass had another moment. It was around the time that um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou came out. Oh, yeah. Remember the soundtrack the Conan, to that? Yep. It was huge. The Conan Brothers. It was huge soundtrack, like, and it kind of brought back bluegrass into the imagination. And suddenly I was flashed back to there. Like, oh, like, oh, shoot. It was like Alison Krauss and Union Station was like winning every Grammy in the world. And like, even like the Dixie Chicks on Fly had a bluegrass song on it. And or even the third album, Home, in 2000, I want to say, 2000, 2001. It was a bluegrass album, but they tried to make it mainstream. And, like, there was a moment, and I feel like this reminded me of that moment. They're trying to single-handedly bring back that vibe. And, you know (laughs) what? Good on them. Um, But, yeah, you're right. I don't know if it 100% works. It probably really depends on the mindset you're bringing to it. But I feel like if you know what you're getting into and you want to just, like, open up a cold beer and, like, sit back 
and listen to this thing, you're probably going to have a blast. Yeah, it may not be a singles, like, kind of, like, hit that I'm trying to look for. Mm -hmm. It may just be a full album, like, kind of relax, listen to it over and over as a full album to get the whole concept. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, mileage may vary. Yeah, I think it's fair. All All right. right. Uh, Listen, anything else? I did have on here something else, um, but I didn't get around to it. Fair enough. Uh, Yep. So with that, let's go into video games, and we'll start with new releases. Uh, Starting with Agatha Christie, Hercule Poirot, colon, The London Case for everything. You got it? You can play it. Uh, Murder Mystery Game, I'm going to assume. I I think, I believe so, yes. It's been a while since I've played one of those. That sounds all Uh, right. We also have... Goodbye, Volcano High for the PS4, PS5, and the PC. That is out today. I have purchased it. I have it. Um, And after this podcast, after I eat dinner, I'll be streaming it. All right. So stay tuned. If Well, you won't hear this because this isn't live. But (laughs) (laughs) stay tuned on to our uh, Twitter account. I will tweet when I'll be live later with some Goodbye, Volcano High from the start and I'll be recording that, hopefully, so that way I can, because the Twitch app lets you do that. Um, yes. I'll be recording those locally so that I can post those onto the website as well. All right. Uh, we also have Samba de Amigo, colon, Party Central for the Switch. I think this was the revival of uh, Viva Piñata, right? No, Samba de, Amigo? Samba de Amigo is its own franchise. It is known for having the Maraca controllers. Right. It was originally an arcade game that then had a Dreamcast port that a lot okay. of people talked about in the era. I want to also say there were Morocco controllers made for the GameCube, and the and the Wii version you just did with the with the Wii and the nunchuck. But yes, this is a Switch uh, reboot of sorts for Samba de Amigo. No Maracas though. You're doing it with Joy Cons. <laughs> I mean, hopefully someone will make a Maraca style Joy Con. <laughs> That'd be cute. They should do that. Uh, uh, there's also Sea of Stars for everything. If you got it, you can play it. I've heard good things uh, about this. It seems like a really good uh, traditional um, kind of vibe, uh, traditional uh, RPG vibe. Um, I've seen some good reviews. Is this the one that's like uh, was it Genshin Impact? I don't know if it's a Genshin Impact kind of thing. I thought it was more traditional um, um, kind of um, a turn-based kind of thing. Okay. I thought there was one of them that was like of that kind of same vibe coming out soon. Uh, there's also Under the Waves for everything but the Switch. Daymare, colon, 1944, dash Sandcastle for everything but the Switch. Sandcastle. Uh, Nor 9, colon, Last Era for the Switch. Somerville for the PS4 and PS5. Taito Milestones 2 for the Switch. Trine 5, colon, A Clockwork Conspiracy for Everything. You got it. You can play it. It's another one of those Trine games. I forgot about Trine until just now. Uh, And then there's also Mega Man X Dive Offline for the PC. And lastly, yet another Triple-A big story game coming out this week. Starfield, the deluxe version, 
for the Xbox Series X and the PC. I'm going to assume that this is the uh, early access yes. deluxe version. So yes, uh, Starfield, you can play this if you bought the deluxe version ahead of time. So that means that if you're waiting for Game Pass, sorry, you have to wait until Tuesday with the rest of everybody else. So I won't be able to talk about Starfield probably prior to the po- well, actually maybe, maybe. Uh, if I'm able to get some uh, some of Starfield in before we record on Tuesday night, I can maybe talk about early, early, early impressions. Uh, but I won't be able to have hands on until Tuesday. All right. Uh, yep. So that's Starfield. That's on uh, Game Pass. Yep. Uh, the following week. Yeah, Tuesday. All right. Yep. Next Tuesday. Okay. Uh, but if we're going to play Starfield, I hope you finished up the previous game that you've been playing. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Was it, if you were playing Legend of Zelda, uh-huh. if you were playing Diablo uh, 4, Diablo 4, if you were playing Final Fantasy 16, or, or if you're playing now, Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> but if you have an Xbox, you probably weren't playing Baldur's Gate 3, but you might be before the end of the year. Because Baldur's Gate 3 will be coming to Xbox this year, despite fears by developer Larian that it would have to be pushed back to next year, 2024. As Larian founder and CEO, Suev Vintic, uh, posted on Twitter, or X, formerly known as X, or formerly known as Twitter, whichever way they want to go today, uh, that a solution <laughs> has been found that would allow the game to be released on Xbox Series X and S this year. Quote, super happy to confirm that after meeting Phil Spencer yesterday, we've found a solution that allows us to bring Baldur's Gate 3 to Xbox players this year still. Something we've been working towards for quite some time. All improvements will be there with split-screen Co-op on Series X. Series S will not feature split-screen co-op, but will also include cross-save progression between Steam and Xbox Series. So, so yeah, yeah. get your Baldur's Gate on. So yeah, as the as the story implies, the reason why they had said that the Xbox game game version of the game would be pushed into next year was because of that split-screen co-op mode. They could not figure out how to get it running on the Series S. And Microsoft, at least according to what we had all believed prior to the story, has a stipulation that in order to make sure that there's parity between the Xbox Series X and S versions, they have to have the exact same modes. Mm-hmm. You aren't allowed to have a mode that's in one that's not in the other. And so Larian saw this and said, well, we can't figure it out, So we and we don't have a timetable for when we can, so we have to push this out. Obviously, a story like that comes out, and Phil Spencer's going to want to tackle it. That's just the kind of guy he is. So I bet he called them up and was like, all right, let's sit down, let's talk about solutions. And it looks like either one of two, thing, one of two things has probably happened here. One, Microsoft is waiving this requirement just for Baldur's Gate to make sure they have another system seller for the year. Or this might be a permanent change into how they do their parity rules between the two consoles. Maybe this goes forward and maybe other publishers and developers can weasel their way into making exceptions for certain modes for Series S. I don't know. 
you know, all you have to do is just sell a hundred million copies and <laughs> right. And Phil Spencer will bend over backwards for you. <laughs> I mean, he sees how popular and how much in the zeitgeist this game is. Of course, it's a no-brainer that he'd want to do what he can to get the, the game on his system as soon as possible, or sooner than later, at least. Oh, he also wants you to play Baldur's Gate 3 and then go back to playing Starfield on <laughs> the Xbox. Yeah, it is unfortunate timing, though, because I think a lot of people were trying to, like, put that, uh, string that needle and try to, like, finish... Baldur's Gate or get what they needed out of Baldur's Gate before Starfield came out. Mm -hmm. Now, Xbox users are not going to have a choice. Starfield's going to be out. It's going to absorb their life. Presumably, we don't know how that game is. It's not out yet. Um, as much as people on the internet today would want <laughs> you to believe that it's already out and they've already made a decision, no one has played it except for <laughs> press. So be careful who you're listening to out there. Anyway, so yeah. Um, it's weird timing and unfortunate timing for a game that's going to be a time sink on top of games that are already a time sink. Like you said, this year has been nothing but time sinks. Like there are a lot mm -hmm. of multiple hour. You didn't even mention Armored Core 6. Oh, yeah, that came out. <laughs> another game that came out this week that is going to occupy people's time. So, yeah, I don't know how people are going to navigate it, but here's another one. But you got to get all that done before um, Super Mario Wonder comes out later this year. Yes, note about that. Today, hours before we went live, Nintendo confirmed that there will be a Nintendo Direct on in September, I believe September 12th, that will have more detail. Or no, no, it wasn't even September. I think it was like Thursday or something. It might be this week. Um, that will just like September be September 1st? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Let's double check that. But yeah, um, it's either the Thursday or Friday. Um, but yeah, it will give us more details and new footage of Super Mario Brothers Wonder in anticipation of its release a month from now. Uh, nine twenty-three. Okay, the twenty-three. Wait, wait. So, wait, wait, nope, nope, wait, nope. Uh, on the thirty-first. It's oh, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. So this Thursday, Thursday morning, thirty-first. So maybe by next week, on uh, what next week's show, we'll have some more details for Super Mario Wonder. Um, as the direct will be on Thursday morning. So there you go. So look forward to more details of that. Yep, and then we'll talk about that All next right. week. But first, we need to talk about something that you're going to be excited about. Hey, it's a new PlayStation Portable. Wait, Portable. 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 Yes. Portable. It's trying to, yes, even in the um, in the dock, it's trying to get me <laughs> to change it to Portable. Yeah, well, tell me about the PlayStation Portal. Well, Sony has announced more details on its remote play handheld device, which has officially been named PlayStation Portal. Formerly known as Project Q, the device looks like a DualSense controller with an 8-inch LCD screen in the middle of it. According to Sony, the screen is capable of 1080p resolution at 60 frames per second. The PlayStation Portal will cost $199.00. 99 cents uh, when it launches later this year. But while it looks like a traditional gaming handheld system, it seemingly can only stream games from the PS5 console. Quote, PlayStation Portal is the perfect device for gamers in households where they might need to share their living room TV or simply want to play PS5 games in another room of the house. Uh, PlayStation Portal will connect remotely to your PS5 over Wi-Fi, so you'll be able to swiftly jump from playing on your PS5 
to your PlayStation Portal. PlayStation Portal can play supported games that are installed on your PS5 console and use the DualSense controller. So, yes, this is not a standalone console. This is not an additional console. This is an accessory, <laughs> a $200 accessory to your $600 console so you can play in another part of your house. So, yeah. Um, so, okay. It's not too dissimilar to what Nintendo was doing with the Wii U, at least on face, right? The idea yes. with the Wii U is you could swap between handheld mode and the dock mode, and you could play. Even um, the Switch allows you to switch yeah. between a, a handheld mode and a dock mode. But the thing about this thing is, you're right, there's a limitation that comes from only being a streaming device in your home. You can't take it anywhere. If you take it outside of Wi-Fi range of your PlayStation 5, it is literally useless. It does nothing. It is designed to only do one thing, which is stream from your PS5. So, yes, you have to have a PS5 for this to work. This does nothing without it. And two, you can't leave Wi-Fi or else it does nothing. Like, it is such a specific use case that they describe. Oh, when someone wants to watch TV shoot it to the portal when you want to go into the next room shoot it to the portal yeah but how often is that a thing that you do you're a perfect example of this do you think that this is worth 200 dollars for you to occasionally decide to use i don't think it's designed for me specifically <laughs> i mean yes would i enjoy it because we do have a single tv mm -hmm. yes it would be nice to take the controller and just go to the bedroom and lay in bed and play it or like hey like right here like go from like podcasting here to just playing right here mm -hmm. uh yes it is nice to do that but guess what you can already do that from your mobile device with the playstation share app so here's the thing yes i'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of people are saying why would you spend 200 dollars when you can use playstation share on your phone and and Get one of those devices that acts like as a cradle and creates a controller around your phone. The one that I always see recommended is the Backbone. Mm -hmm. I just checked. Target has those for $99. Half the price of the PlayStation Portal. So you can save $100 and just get a Backbone for either your phone or better yet, for iPads. They make them for iPads. The iPad Mini is also an eight inch screen. You can build your own portal is what I'm telling you for half the price. And, not and it does more than just thing. play PlayStation games. And it does more than just play PlayStation games. It potentially when they do this in the future may even use the streaming software that Sony's developing for PlayStation games inherently, similar to what Microsoft's doing already. So the thing that they've already said is that the portal will never do that. They've already said that there are no plans to let the portal stream PlayStation games from the cloud by itself, on its own, without the PS5 doing it first. Mm -hmm. Your phone can, though, potentially do that. And so you're getting a better experience, potentially, doing this on your phone. So I am just confused by this thing. I think that they maybe underestimate the use case for this and is how common they think it is well it's for people who have a big house and a single playstation in one part of the room yeah 
they're in one part of the house, but they want to use it on the second floor. They want to use it in the garage. They want to use it bathroom. elsewhere. The bathroom, other than the one TV. They so want to yes, play. There is a while they're pooping. For it, I get it. But also for $200, someone who's going to need it is probably living that comfortable lifestyle to where they can have it. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's priced too high to be something that's a frivolous purchase. But its use case is so slim that I'm just like, I have a hard time recommending it to even people who can't afford it. It just seems like mm-hmm. a questionable choice when there are better, cheaper alternatives out there. So I don't know. I, I, I wonder, I really genuinely wonder how well this will do. Well, that's why it's not an actual like portable console. Yeah. I guess it's an accessory. Find out what it is. Anyway. All right. Anyways, uh, did you play anything? So no, um, I didn't. Uh, everything I guess I'll talk to uh, talk about next week, where I'll try to squish in goodbye volcano high impressions and Starfield impressions into one show. <laughs> See if we right. can do it. Next See if week we can do it. <laughs> All right. Let's then go right into the television. We start television with the sports yes. corner. Sports corner. We start the sports corner this week with a commemoration. The Lakers are going to unveil a statue of Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant and Lakers great, on February 8th of next year. Are you excited to see this? Yes. So this was announced on Thursday, August uh, the 24th, which was Kobe Day. And they'll be unveiling it on 2-8-24, which is uh, Kobe's daughter Gianna's number two, and then Kobe's number eight and 24. So that's smart. That's smart. Um, yeah, I good on them for realizing, hey, this date is coming up. We should actually do something. Mm-hmm. And kind of also unfortunate timing of, hey, this date is coming up. They they should do something. Yeah. But ultimately I think it'll be a nice addition. I think a yeah. lot of manly man tears will be shed. Yes. Also, depending on what kind of statue do they uh erect of him. Like, is it him doing the like Superman, the fist pump, the yelling, or his like classic backstep. Also, is it bald Kobe or is it fro Kobe? Ooh, this is an important question. I don't know. We'll have to find it, out. I mean, we'll find out in February. I think they go with bald Kobe instead of fro Kobe. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Although yeah, fro Kobe would be a nice uh, companion piece to the Shaq statue that they have there as well, because that's when they were teammates. Aw, that'd be cute. Anyway, so that's a fun little bit. Next up, we have a Little Little League World Series update for y'all. We have a winner, and it's here, and they're local. California beat Texas for the title and beat Curacao. Curacao, like blue Curacao. Okay. Yes, like um, the Caribbean uh, Curacao. Got it. In world in the world championship game, so congratulations to our hometown heroes. Uh, yeah, um, El Segundo. Yeah, El Segundo. Yep, just outside of Los Angeles, um, local here to where we are. Uh, they actually lost Texas originally in their bracket on a one-zero game, so they had to go through the losers bracket to meet Texas in the championship title to beat them in a one-off game. So congratulations. Uh, to El Segundo, your parade is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> soon. Very soon. soon. So congratulations to them. 
We move on to the U.S. Open, which will begin in New York this week. It has begun. Um, they are going off right now on the blue court. Coco Goff uh, had a little stint with one of the refs because uh, they, their opponent uh, wasn't getting ready in time for her to serve. And she's like, that's not my problem. I'm serving. They got to get ready for me to serve. <laughs> this isn't the pitch clock pitch clock violation in baseball. No, this is, you hey, I'm serving, you need to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, that's happening. Um, Tennis World is on watch in New York for yeah. the upcoming week. All right. Moving on to the world of golf, Victor Hovland won the PGA Tour FedEx Cup Championship. Meanwhile, yep. the Ryder Cup teams will be chosen this week. Yep. Uh, congratulations to Victor Hovland. For shooting 24 under on the week uh that shouldn't happen on a normal course <laughs> uh that's kind of insane so congratulations uh you're the pga tour champion for 2023 up next Ryder cup us versus uh britain or england mm -hmm. as they choose their teams for the upcoming i think it's mm -hmm. this week is labor day weekend i want to say mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but yeah well, let's see when does Ryder cup start <laughs> and we're checking and we're checking this is a great podcast yep uh <laughs> scheduled for 30th of september so and so end of september all right yep september 25th through october 1st so but they choose now get their teams ready and then have a month to prepare all righty sounds good moving on the regular season of NASCAR is wrapping up with Chris Boucher winning the final race of the season. Meanwhile, William Byron tops your playoff rankings with five wins and Bubba Wallace somehow snuck into a play the playoffs after all. Oh, he snuck in all right because, uh, well, what's his name? Uh, Brad Keselowski finished just above uh, someone else. Mm. So... By virtue of points, he <laughs> snuck in at the end there. Uh, all 15 of the 16 were already determined prior to this race. So they were, <laughs> were just racing for one slot uh, at the Daytona race. But yeah, uh, congratulations to William Byron. You're the regular season champion. Good luck in the playoffs. Also, let's just talk about how like weird like poet name that William Byron is. Yes. Like, Bill oh, Byron. William Byron. Bill Byron. Like, tell me about your ode to the Oval. <laughs> ode to the Roval. <laughs> ode to the Roval. Anyway, well, we'll see how that works out. Meanwhile, football season keeps creeping and creeping closer. The 53-man rosters for the teams were finalized today, you say? Yep. The end of preseason was this past weekend. Uh, congratulations to those of you who made the 53-man roster. Mm -hmm. To everyone else. Hopefully a team picks you up or signs you to their practice squad. Uh, but yeah, they had to be cut by today uh, in order to make the team. So you check your rosters. Also, this is why people do their fantasy football yeah. drafts this upcoming weekend after the rosters are finalized. So you don't right. accidentally draft someone who won't be on the team. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a poor choice. <laughs> and to wrap up uh, sports news today a little baseball update your first team has been eliminated from playoff contention and i'm not surprising anybody by telling <laughs> you that it's the oakland days 
their 38 and 94 record this season did not surprise surprise qualify them for the playoffs uh yes they have officially been eliminated even if they won the rest of their games this season they could not win all right but one team that has been winning a lot of their games recently, the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, let's talk about the Mariners. Their hot streak has been something else. They have catapulted to the top of, of the uh, AL West standings. They were 10 out of first place at the beginning of the month. Yeah. And now they're like two games of first place. This must finally be the karma from the Angels-Mariners fight from last season, finally paying off in the Mariners' direction. It's all of the stuff we thought that the Angels fans thought was going to happen to them after the All-Star break, that suddenly we would just kick into high gear. All the trades that we did would matter, just poofed up in smoke for us. But for whatever reason, the Mariners, who barely made any moves during the trade deadline, all of a sudden benefited from just, I don't know, luck? I don't know. It's just amazing the differences made. And, it's, and also, parallel to this, the Rangers went on a losing streak for a while. Mm-hmm. And so they dropped all of that goodwill that they had they had gained. This is why you well, what this is why you play the game. But this is what makes baseball so exciting is yeah. that if you get hot at the right time and when mm-hmm. the team gets cold at the right time, you can immediately swap places. You're seeing something similar happening to the Phillies, which look like who looked like they didn't have a chance to, to, at another playoff run the beginning of the season, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden now their hitters are on fire. Um, and they're real. They're making comebacks, and all of a sudden, like Brandon Marsh of all people is like <laughs> killing it. Like we saw Michael Lorenzen hit it, like do a no no hitter. Like yeah. things are happening um, with the Phillies out of nowhere again, and they could they could make a run for it again. Uh, meanwhile, in Otani watch, yeah, uh, he has been relegated to no longer pitch for the rest of the season. Yeah, this could be a sports story by itself, but we just, I guess there were other things that important to talk about in television this week that we couldn't talk about it. But yes, the biggest news, I would say, in sports this past week was Otani. So he had been reported for a couple of games um, with arm fatigue, and he got pulled from his pitching appearances because of it. He started a game this past week, was pulled after an inning and a half, I believe. Um, Yep. And it turns out that despite reports of arm fatigue, uh, once tests were actually done, it ended up being a torn UCL. Uh, so yes, you're correct. According to team representatives, he will not be pitching for the rest of the season as he recovers. I don't believe it has been made public or not whether he intends on getting a second Tommy John surgery. Well, our resident doctor has indicated that anybody who gets two UCL chairs pretty much does not come back to pitch again. Yeah. So it complicates a couple of things. One, it complicates the rest of his season with the Angels. It means that their six-man rotation uh, obviously has to change with Otani not being able to pitch. He is choosing, opting to remain a hitter. Uh, He will continue hitting for the team, presumably, until the end of the season. He hasn't shown any indication of stopping that. It also complicates his free agency. Will teams want to pay the exorbitant millions of dollars that they wanted to pay for who now appears to be a single, uh, like a single role uh, player as opposed to a dual role player? Uh, Will they think that the hitter Otani is worth as much as pitching and hitting Otani? That's the question. 
You mean the batting champion Otani? The home run chasing yes. Otani? Is he worth oh, yeah. all the money? Don't get me wrong. It's important that we do remind people. If you take out his pitching this season, he is still the home run leader in the league. <laughs> and he is still the one of the, if not the best hitter on the Angels. Like, he is still a stellar baseball player, designated hitter or not. And that's the thing, is another thing your doctor so so cleverly mentioned is that he's flexible too. He's played position uh, positions uh, uh, like on the field as well. He's not necessarily just a DH. He could be put into a different role as a position player if need be. Whether that happens on the Angels or whether that happens in a future contract with another team is still a question mark. We don't know. Right. What we do know is that his career as a starting pitcher yeah. is pretty much over. It's Note that I mentioned starting pitcher. Yes, yes. He could be a relief and a closer still. They just need to limit his pitch count with the UCL Tommy John surgery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Second surgery. Yeah. I think the the Otani question now becomes a lot more complicated, complicated than it did before. I think that's true. And it's going to have an impact on the next season of baseball, kind of no matter what happens, if the angels end up ponying up the money to do it, which it sounds like they might judging on some breaking news that we got via text message about 30 minutes ago. Mm Mm-hmm. It seems like the Angels are making some moves that seem like intended to, let's say, save some money for maybe an upcoming large transaction they would want to make. (laughs) Um, And maybe some regret of some money that they did pay during the the trade trade deadline that now that they're not sure if they need anymore. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, in other wrapping up sports news, yes. uh, Stephen Strasburg of the Washington Nationals officially announced that he would retire by the end of the year. Yep. He is, speaking of pitchers who got injured, uh, in 2018, signed a seven-year deal for $240 million, only pitched eight games since signing that deal. E- I mean, that's bad for the Nationals, but good for Steven Strasburg. You got your bag. <laughs> I guess that's true. That's true. Also, I, I saw there, were, yep. there was some uh, management shakeups with the White Sox. Yep. And um, I think that that was parallel to some rumors that they might also be potentially moving. Did you see that? No. The yeah. White Sox? There were some rumblings this past week about the White Sox possibly doing a team move. So, we'll see. Is there moving from the south side? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Makes you think. Move to Nashville? Could you? Yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> I mean, I think you call them the White Sox, though. What would you call them? <laughs> Nashville Sounders. I think that's a thing. <laughs> No, that's the Seattle Sounders that you're thinking. Yeah, about. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think, I think people would be upset if you use Sounders. <laughs> Anyways, well, we'll figure that out when that happens, if that happens. Hey, want to put money on it? No, I do not. I do okay. not want to put money on that. That's too. <laughs> that's too volatile. Anyway, we'll give you more news as it happens. Nothing's official there, but like anything else in sports before we move on. Um. Oh, lastly, we've talked about NASCAR with the season ending. Kyle Busch, one of the last Bushers to be in NASCAR, officially announced he would be retiring at the end of the season now that the season is over. 
So one last person to boo as they go around the trace the track. <laughs> well, congratulations. Yes, congratulations. We'll see you in the announcer booth where your brother is. All right. We move on from sports then into sports as our first story in television this week is a sports related story. ESPN has signed a deal with the devil. I mean, a licensing deal with Penn Entertainment to create something called ESPN Bet, which, yes, everyone in the world saw this coming a mile away. A sports book for audiences in the United States. Penn will rebrand its current sports book to ESPN Bet later this fall in the 16 states where it is licensed to do so. Thankfully, not here in California. The rebrand will include... against it. Yeah. <laughs> the rebrand will include a mobile app, website, mobile website, and mutually agreed upon retail locations. Penn agreed to pay ESPN $1.5 billion in cash over 10 years, as well as grant ESPN $500, $500 million of warrants to purchase approximately 31.8 common, a million common shares of Penn. The rebranded offering will be ESPN's exclusive sports book and will be part of ESPN's programming and content integrations starting the fall. Audiences will be able to place bets through ESPN's digital products. So you thought you were safe with ESPN getting off of Bally and all the other ones that were already, or Fox, that were already telling you to bet using their apps. Well, no, you're not safe for too much longer. This fall, ESPN is also going to be yelling at you to bet. And guess what's this fall? Both college football and professional football and Monday yes. night football. And there's going to be like, hey, Hey, during our pregame, mm-hmm. get, get the over-under on ESPN bet. Do you think this player will rush for 100 yards? Do you think this player will pass for 200 yards? Who will yeah. score the first touchdown? You're going to have percentages on everything, just like the Apple TV baseball stuff. <laughs> I mean, technically, was it ESPN News? Um, the channel ESPN News already does this where they have a picture and picture of ESPN Sports Center running yeah. alongside a list of the upcoming games and over under odds as well as a running ticker for it. Yeah. So it's just them incorporating that into a constant feed for ESPN. And yeah. hey, Disney wants to make money. Or sorry, ESPN <laughs> needs to find a way to stop hemorrhaging money. Yes, and that's the thing is that there's two parallel things happening here. One, it's the increasing over like overwhelming of betting taking over how sports are reported in the united states it's been happening this is just it happening on a a bigger scale than ever before espn is how a lot of people get their sports news and it's happening there now too so that's one thing that's happening here yeah and the second thing is that's happening here you're right is from the disney side disney has been figure trying to figure out what to do with the espn brand as it keeps losing subscribers as people cut the cable cord. They can't figure it out. It's been a mystery for them for years. We've been talking about the story pretty much every year of this podcast. They, yes, it's 2016. Yeah. So it's been ESPN, I mean, really since ESPN Plus, and then yeah. when, ES, when Disney Plus came out, they started bundling it to try and save ESPN Plus. It didn't work. Yeah. It because didn't. now streaming is also hemorrhaging money. They can't figure out how to make streaming at all work as a company and so now they're like well let's just make this deal yeah whether they like it or not it's going to make the money it already has made the money and like they've just got across their fingers that people will still care about sports betting 
before it gets op- like overwhelms their eyes every second of every day. I mean, if you're Disney or ESPN, and would you accept a deal of $150 million every year for the next 10 years? Probably. Plus $500 million in stock options? Yes, but at what that like at what cost though? Like if this the thing is is that I mean we had this this conversation last year in video games with stuff like Genshin Impact and loot boxes is like there are just going to be people who are genuinely hurt by this. Like there are people with addictive tendencies that if they're over if they keep getting hit with reminders that betting exists every time they sit down to watch football, it's gonna drive some people crazy. And that is the risk nobody's talking about here. It's making these companies money, but what effect does this have on people who watch sports? Or even the players. Like, you, you're betting on players, but the players can't yeah. bet on themselves. Looking at you, Calvin Ridley, who was suspended for a full season because of this. Oh, yes, yeah, especially in football. We had those stories last year with football players getting caught for betting on their own games. Mm-hmm. And it's just like... This is a problem. You know, Pete Rose is turning over in his uh, bed right now. Uh, <laughs> all the um, oh, yeah. betting that's being going on right now. I bet Sports he betting. can't even watch this shit anymore because he just thinks about it. Like, it's just it's like, oh, thanks for reminding me. Man ahead of his time. Yeah, seriously. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a complicated story that just is annoying in a lot of ways. And it's going to continue being annoying. Anyway. Uh, but, yeah, um, as mentioned... Be on the lookout for advertisements for ESPN Bet coming to a sports show near you. Yes, like it or not. Speaking of like it or not, you may be missing some pizzazz in your late nights lately, as the late night shows cannot air because the writers are on strike. Well, you're probably wondering what those hosts are doing with their free time. Well, guess what? They figured it out. They're going to make a podcast. Stephen hey, Colbert. that's our turf. I know, right? I mean, I went off on this already pre-pod. I got it out of my system, so I wouldn't do it here. Uh, but yeah, Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Seth Meyers, and John Oliver are joining together to launch a limited podcast series about their experiences navigating the writers and actors strikes. The group, who were some of the first to down, uh, down tools. I don't know. Yeah, what that put their means. pens down. I guess so. That's such a weird way of putting that. Um, When the WGA called it Strike in early May, are launching Strike Force 5 on Spotify. That's the name of the podcast. The proceeds from the show, which launches on August 30th and is sponsored by Minton Mobile and Diageo, whatever that is, uh, will go to out-of-work late-night staff from their shows. The series will run for at least 12 weeks with all hosts participating in each episode and rotating who leads the conversation. All right, so cool. So you want that... to know what DGO is? Yeah, tell me, what's DGO? It's alcohol. Sponsoring kind of alcohol. brands like Guinness, Bally's, and Jolly Walker, to name a few. Got it. So will they be burst? Like if they just somehow, if Jimmy, nah, it's Fallon. Who am I kidding? If Fallon (laughs) shows like that, he's drinking some alcohol. It's probably going to be one of those brands. Yes. On one of these podcasts. (laughs) Got it. Anyway, I I think it's cool that the proceeds to this are going to the, the out of work writers. That's cool. Can't fault them on that. But man, am I tired of famous people doing podcasts? Come on. Come on. Like you have, you could do literally anything else. You don't need to be on a podcast. 
like Conan O'Brien out here pretending that he invented the podcast format and he's winning all these like awards for it. Like, dude, where were you in 2006? You weren't doing a podcast. You weren't. I don't know. Also, anyway. to, to only do a podcast for 12 weeks. <laughs> I know. 12 episodes. 12 episodes. Like, no, we're going to do 12 episodes and that's it. Try I mean... 52 every year. <laughs> plus specials. Hey, when you hit 400, then you can come talk to me. Yeah, come talk to us. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, I honestly yeah. think this might be interesting. Um, there's a lot of these, a lot of these people are funny people. Like, I, I would I would listen to John Oliver talk to Seth Meyers. I don't know if that's happened in the past, but I would be interested in what they would talk about. I like both of those people. I don't well, I, really care for Jimmy Fallon, but he's there too. I at least like the topic that they're going to talk about, which is their experience in the writer's room. So yeah. actors and writers balancing the line in a writer's room on a daily basis. Yeah, it could be interesting. There could be some things we don't know. Uh, and also Jimmy Fallon's there. So And then Jimmy, and then there's Jimmy Fallon. And then there's Jimmy Fallon. He's also there. Uh, yeah, it could be neat, but come on. Again, like you said, it's our turf. Get off our turf. You guys are too <laughs> famous. All right. Enough famous people. Uh, you watched a CG person, a largely CG person on Disney Plus this week. Yes. Uh, Ashoka. Ashoka? Uh, another one in the Ashoka. Ashoka. Right? Wait, is because it, the H is after the S. Is it after the S? Is it Ahsoka or Ashoka? It is Ahsoka. Yes, I have this backwards here. Ahsoka. Yeah. Okay. Yes, the H. Yes, it's A H S. Okay, another one of the Dave Filoni. I'm going to take you from my comics or of my animated series Ser- and yeah, make a live yeah. action show based off of it. Uh, this one follows Ahsoka, who, although premiered and kind of had a large mainstay in the Clone Wars as Anakin Skywalker's apprentice, this takes place after Episode uh, Six. And before episode seven in the Star Wars timeline. So it follows the series, the animated series, Star Wars Rebels. So lots of characters from there, plus Ahsoka, um, starring Rosario Dawson, who saw people saw already as Ahsoka in The Mandalorian, as she appeared in a couple episodes there, which then led to this being spun off as people liked her character and then went back and to be like, oh, yeah. There's this whole like character from like this animated show that Dave Filoni created. So yeah, let's make another show about that. Um, but as we were talking about pre-pod about it, it does feel a little bit empty. Uh, in this wide, vast Star Wars uh, space, it does feel like it's only focusing on some of these characters, about four or five of them at a time, in a small space and not like this vast galaxy that um, that Star Wars is kind of known for. It does kind of fall back to, like, at least in the beginning of The Mandalorian, where it was like two or three characters at a time and any one given one episode trying to fight or find Monster of the Week or just talking to each other, trying to figure out where to go next. So yeah. it is a slow kind of pacing, and I think a lot of people will be kind of thrown for a loop and not know what's happening if you have no kind of understanding or basis of what Rebels is going into it. Yeah, the, one of the arguments I saw is that somebody is like, 
they made the quote I saw was they made Rebel Ahsoka Rebels season five instead of Ahsoka season one is basically right. what they said. I'm like, yeah, like if you're working, you have to assume that a certain uh, percentage of your audience is not going to know the context because they didn't watch four seasons of a cartoon on Cartoon Network. Like, like they just aren't aware of this whole universe, this side of the Star Wars universe. Not to say that they're not trying to get people to know, because I don't know if you saw this, but I guess Star Wars website, like the Star Wars website was updated this week to have a clearer timeline and division of what they're literally calling now eras, <laughs> paging Taylor Swift, um, of to, to like delineate when all of their things take place now, because you're right. This takes place in this universe, in this era, I guess, after Star Wars has happened. Like, everything's happened, like, or, or yeah, the original trilogy, I guess, has happened. And, like, you're just supposed to know that inherently. Yes, you're supposed and to so, pick like, that now, up based on, like, what, is it the Empire that's reigning? Or is it the First Empire? Is it the New Order? Is it the Galactic Senate? Is it, like, it's, yes, you're, trying, you're supposed to uh, pick that up. In between both dialogue and on-screen interactions. It's just overwhelming if you're not paying attention to everything. It's the same problem that people have with the MCU now, right? Which is you miss a thing, and then you see the next thing, because it has a character you like better or whatever. And you're like, wait a minute, what? I was supposed to be paying attention to this over here? I didn't watch the Disney Plus thing. I have no idea what this is talking about. It's like what we were talking about when we watched Black Widow. Is like, oh, you're telling me that the thing at the end of Black Widow doesn't matter unless you've seen a Disney Plus show that gives it like context. Like, they can't expect everybody to absorb all of this, retain all of this, and still want to come back for more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird. Place. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, but uh, it's a treasure hunt, and I fear it's going to do the thing that. Uh, last Jedi did which is make it a treasure hunt and then do a Goonies reference and it doesn't <laughs> work <laughs> I guess we'll find out one thing one compliment I have to give to Ahsoka though is that at least on the surface finally a Star Wars thing with women and a lot of them oh I noticed that too character yeah, mm -hmm. your lead character is a woman. The first person she talks to is a woman. The th like the the third person she talks to is a woman, and like the like the other focus appears to, of the first episode at least seems to be a woman. It's like oh my god, there's women, and they're cool and they're doing cool things, and then they have the opportunity to do cool things. If anything, that by itself is compelling, but the pacing, like you said, is just so slow. When are they going to do more cool things? I like the cool thing where what's your name's on like speed bike and she's doing cool speed bike things. That was cool. More of that. Yes, Less but also notice that's just her on an open road yeah. with like nothing around in like CGI land. But at least she did a cool thing in CGI land. And at least they got fucking uh, Sarah from Illuminati Hotties to sing the gibberish alien song. That's <laughs> rad. More of that, please. I love that she's like now canon in the Star Wars universe. That's super cool for like five people, including me, <laughs> who know who she is. <laughs> but like beyond that, like more cool stuff, less walking around, walking through uh, hallways, noticing things around you. <laughs> and maybe we'll get somewhere. But yeah, it's not, you know, it's not going to be for everybody. It's for the completionists. And I just don't understand why and the, they're. The Dave Filoni, um, 
live action universe that he keeps yeah. building. I feel like it's because they don't want of... to give him anything new. Well, that's the thing is that I feel like this is a little bit of a Star Wars fan monkey's paw situation, right? For years, people are saying the Clone Wars was the best thing. It's so much better than the prequel uh, than the sequel trilogy. We love Clone Wars. Give Dave Filoni creative power. Give Dave Filoni all this stuff. They finally give Dave Filoni power. Let him do his own thing. And now there's so much of it that it feels like it might just be maybe a little indulgent. Well, no, it's not just just that. It's just that the things that he does doesn't affect the overall story (laughs) of Star Wars. Yeah. It's spinning its wheels a little bit. Like with the Mandalorian. Like, yes, it's great that there's this whole like inner story between the original and the sequel. But does it affect anything mm-hmm. in the sequel does it enhance anything that's one thing this clone wars did is that it made it, it like actually enhanced the effect yeah. that it was an actual war it wasn't just yeah. oh clone wars of someone saying the clone wars has begun and then you cut to mm-hmm. the end of the clone wars in right. uh revenge of the sith yeah it recontextualized those prequels in a way for a lot of people is what i've heard it made those characters that were kind of one-dimensional in the films three-dimensional and gave the reasons to care about their plight like it made anakin from what i can tell a likable person Mm -hmm. which the movies do not pull off and so yeah like i get why he's earned this reputation as somebody but you're right if he is not given that opportunity to do something that like that that actually recontextualizes something in the larger canon it feels like he's spinning his wheels. It feels like he's spinning his wheels with like what a lot of people are like. It seems like he's just writing fan fiction at this point. He has to color within the lines and cannot draw new lines on his own. Yeah. Which is the larger Disney problem right now. Yes. You see people talking about that with even stuff they own like The Simpsons or with the MCU. It's like their restrictions are so restrictive. You can't have a lot of the creativity that you used to have. But anyway, we're going we're going too long. Now, now we're spinning our own wheels yeah. here. So... Let's move on. Anything else we watched this week? Uh, no. Um, still watch more Futurama. Um, oh, I did watch one thing on CBS. What's it called? I think it's called Superfan. Was it called Superfan on CBS? Okay. Uh, yes, Superfan on CBS. Um, hosted, uh, by, oh god, what's his name? Um, the the football guy. The football guy. Uh, what's the? I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he does the uh, like the Nickelodeon like football thing. Why can't I think of his name? <laughs> I'm trying to find it. It's not like popping up. Nate Burleson. There it is. Nate Burleson. Um, okay. Yeah, because he's uh was on like Good Morning Football and went to CBS shows and does CBS football and Nickelodeon football. Uh, so yeah, he's hosting this thing called Superfan, where it takes four super fans of an artist. Most of it's um, I think musical artists. And then ask them random questions about it. And then you get more points. And it's weird because, like, the whole, like, goal of it is, like, be the super fan. So you get, like, a one-on-one experience with the artists. But at the end of the show, 
the artist puts on a show for everyone anyways. So it's like congratulations on like knowing your your like random trivia. So yeah. it's it's this weird, especially like since we have writers, thin line of like calling it a game show while also having a celebrity who's not actually a part of it. Yeah. Like they're there, they perform, they like answer the questions. Like they they ask the questions to the contestants, and then they ask the um, the artist. Like they had a like L Cool J on there, so they asked him and like Gloria Stefan, and like hey, like okay, so what's your answer? Does it match their answer? Yes or no? Uh, but huh. it's it's weird. It's really stretching out. Um, there's also two co-hosts. They person and then like a separate co-host who sits on the couch is like, oh, you got eliminated, but you're still a fan, right? <laughs> Like, there he is. Like, he's right over there. Like, you can go say hi to him after the show. <laughs> it's super weird, but also, yeah. like, just shows you, like, the kind of stretch and kind of, like, lows that uh, network television is trying to do to um, make content. Yeah. Speaking of which, I had my own experience of that this week. We wrapped up The Bachelorette uh, this week, okay. which ended. I'm not going to talk about it. Don't worry about it. Um, but one of the things that they announced is that there are two but new uh two next two Bachelorette spin-offs or Bachelor spin-off series. The one that already exists, Bachelor in Paradise, and the new one they're launching this season, The Golden Bachelor, which I don't know if you've seen the pitch for this. Right. It's the, a the 70 old year old bachelor are going to be premiering the same night. They expect people to watch both of those at the same time. I mean, NBC expects people to watch three hours of Chicago on Wednesdays. <laughs> it's like, this is, this, we're finally, I feel like we're finally seeing the effects of the strike now. All of the, all of the networks are desperate right now. They're all trying to figure out, like, how many game shows do we have? Do we have more game shows? Do we need more game shows? I feel like they're safe in content through the fall, but come out of the Super Bowl, come February... What are you going to have on TV? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. I guess we'll find out. But first, let's find out what's no longer on television as we jump into cancellations and renewals. What am I no longer watching? Uh, you're no longer watching a Doogie Kamealoha MD as it's been canceled after two seasons on Disney+. Tear. Tear. Sorry. Sorry, more, no more Hawaii feels. Yes. Netflix's Sintonia its fifth season will be its last the idol on hbo canned after one disappointing season i guess they didn't want to make any more of that oh no who could have seen that coming yeah i think we all figured that that would be its fate and then uh, renewed on hbo coming back 100 foot wave for a third season that's it for cancellations and renewals we move to some deaths this week First up, Hall of Fame wrestler Terry Funk, which you don't have an age for here, uh, wrestled in the NWA and the WWF, was also an actor, uh, had a cameo appearance in Patrick Swayze classic Roadhouse. Have you seen Roadhouse? Uh, Not in a long time. Uh, 79. (laughs) Age 79. 79, okay. Yeah, if you haven't seen Roadhouse, that's a weird movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I recommend seeing it at least once in your life. Also this week we had, ooh, this is a sad one. 
another wrestler, uh, Wyndham Rotunda, age 36. Uh, was Bray Wyatt his stage name, his wrestling yes. name? Yes. Okay. Yes. Also went by The Fiend, mm-hmm. um, a part of the Wyatt Brothers. Uh, but outside of that, Wyatt Brothers, uh, Rotunda uh, was, uh, well, Wyndham Rotunda was himself a legacy act of a previous Rotunda as well. Ah, I see. Okay. So, so yeah, that one was a surprise, and that one was a sudden and shocking loss. Yeah, I was going to say, 36. I saw a lot of wrestling people say that he had kind of, he was an up-and-comer who had had a lot of really exciting moments lately, and it was shocking to see, like, oh, I guess, okay, that's just not going to happen anymore. This mm-hmm. is sad. But, yeah. Moving on from there, then, uh, we had two rough ones for people who like to watch things um, in syndication home from school. Uh, first up, Arlene Sorkin, age 67, actress, was in the soap opera Days, in Our Li- Days of Our Lives, and also something called Duet, but most people will remember her as the original voice of Harley Quinn on Batman the Animated Series. Um, and in, in essence, the origination of yes. the character, as it originated on the animated series before it became a comic book yeah up until fairly recently she was the voice of harley quinn in all media she would do Mm -hmm. it for the video games and for other appearances of the character it wasn't until you have the suicide squad movie where they recap like where they actually cast a different actor in that role with margot rovi and then more recently in the new animated series uh, she's played by kaylee cuoco up until those two castings though you were always getting Arlene Sorkin. She was that character. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is a, definitely a sad one for us millennials who grew up listening to that voice, that patented uh, accent that she would do for the character. Mr. J, the Mr. J accent. Exactly, yeah. Like, it's just so iconic. She would, like made that character who, who, who mm-hmm. she was and who she still is to a certain extent. And then lastly, yes, this the this the 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 most high profile one, I guess you could say this week. And uh the winner of highest without going over. Um not my joke, I borrowed that from Twitter. Oh, Bob I've seen Barker. that joke everywhere, yes. yes. Bob Barker, of course, classic host of The Price is Right for over 30 years. Truth or consequences before that, just a when you think of game show host, you think of Bob Barker, he was 99. And yes, we will remind you on this podcast, have your pets spayed and neuter, just as he would love to remind you. Yes. 18-time Emmy winner. Yeah. Well, daytime game show Emmy winner. But yeah, that's still an Emmy. Still Contrary Emmy. to what friend of the show Christy thinks, daytime <laughs> Emmys are Emmys. But yes, yes. Uh, a classic of the, of the genre, just a stand-up guy, incredible host. Everybody loves Bob Parker. So sad to see him go. Yep. Um, beat up Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore. Yes, exactly. A, a classic moment in uh, movie comedy. Uh, the Price is Wrong. Yes. Anyway. Uh, yes. Bob Barker. That's a tough one. Um, even yeah. though he hadn't hosted the show itself in right seven years. Yeah, two thousand seven was when Drew Carey took over. Two thousand seven so or seven? Yeah, two thousand seven. Believe it or not. Oh. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, so that's been 15 years then. 15 years, just about. Yep. All right. He will be missed. Moving on to the last segment of the show, movies. And we always start the movie section with the weekend box office numbers. Big shocker! Barbie finally fell 
to number two because your number one movie, Gran Turismo, which with only seventeen million dollars, so no one saw movies this week. But if they did see a movie, they saw it and cared about Gran Turismo. You know, if you didn't already see it on your PlayStation as it was available for the previous two weeks. Yes, but yes, Barbie dropping down to number two at fifteen million this week. That's going to make six hundred million domestic, though. That's that guaranteed. will be next week. Yep. Number three, Blue Beetle with another twelve million dollars. That's at forty-five. That's it. Just forty-five. Oppenheimer is your number four, another eight million dollars. That's at a cool three hundred mil right now. Yay! Across the three hundred mil. Yeah. Number five, rounding out your top five, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem with $7.2 million. That crossed 100. Hey, you were worried it wasn't going to cross 100. It did it. Uh, yeah, surprised me. Congratulations yep. to them. And then your other debut this week debuted way down at number nine at The Hill at only $2 million. That is your box office numbers for the week. Moving on to new release, singular. We just have one, The Equalizer 3. Denzel is coming for you uh, to equalize things this Labor Day weekend. Yes. See, that is, that is the tagline. That's it. Yeah, he's going to equalize things. Let's move on to, instead of talking about movies releasing, to movies not releasing in this year anymore. Well, I'm sure glad Warner Brothers is happy Barbie is making its money. Yeah, they're gonna need it because, yes, they're big money maker with like it's just not gonna cut it warner brothers made the announcement to delay the sequel to its upcoming or the upcoming sequel to dune dune 2 out of its november 10th release to march 15th of next year legendary entertainment co-produced dune part 2 with warner brothers film group and both parties had to agree on a new release date as part of this shift godzilla x kong colon the new empire which was previously dated for March 14th, is getting pushed back one month to April 12th. Warner Brothers is also assessing possible delays to 2024 for the color purple, which is currently slated for December 25th, a Christmas release, and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, currently slated for December 20th. But the studio plans to retain December dates for both titles. So why is this happening? It's the strikes, people. They're worried that they won't be able to get the actors to do their usual spiels and press tours if they can't promote because they're on strike. The directors can go out and promote, Mm -hmm. but good luck trying to get Denise Villeneuve away from what he's currently shooting Mm -hmm. or currently want to shoot to go to a press tour to, wait, which late night show again? Because none of them are are on. late night shows, yeah. (laughs) And and yeah, so the actors can't say shit. The writers of these films also can't say shit. They have to wait. And so they're playing chicken with the strikes with this. They keep moving them their big releases back just in case there's some sort of resolution before that. Right. This isn't a a case of the movie's not done, the movie's not going to be done. We need right. time for visual effects. Yeah, or no, even COVID just, precautions anymore. This isn't even right. that. This is just strike. This is just, we can't promote it, so we don't want to release it. Yeah. You'd think this would be enough for them to, I don't know, want to give a better deal to the actors and writers, and yet they haven't even talked to the actors. Like, they've been in active negotiations with the writers 
those haven't gone anywhere, but at least they're coming to the table. The mm -hmm. actors haven't been spoken to since they went on strike. That's unbelievable to me. Like, they're not even trying. But, well, you know, why try when you could, what was the quote two months ago? Yeah, Wait them out through them October? Out. Well, if it's March and they still are like this, I don't think they can wait too much longer than that. What are they going to do? Like, keep punting these movies forever? Well, see, that's what the Color Purple and Aquaman Lost Kingdom is that if they're going to delay it, they're going to delay it for a full year. Yeah. And all of a sudden you have another Warner Brothers mishap on your hand with The Flash, where that thing was in the can for yeah. three years and kept getting pushed and delayed. Not for strike reasons, for other reasons, but hey, delayed nonetheless. By the because, way, yeah. that's available on Max. <laughs> <laughs> but still, like it brings up questions like what happens to Oscar, like Oscar season if there's no Oscar movies released? Oh, don't worry. This now means that Oppenheimer will win all the technical awards. <laughs> and Barbie will win Best Picture. <laughs> Anyways. No, Spider-Man into this across yeah, the Spider-Verse will win Best Picture. Yeah, you wish. You Animated wish. film wins Best Picture. Come it's on. Not happen, will it not to happen? Spider-Man. Will it to happen? happen? No. All right. Moving on. Our second story takes us to Apple TV Plus, in which Martin Scorsese has shown up with uh, to get the nice paycheck. I mean, to make a film. Martin Scorsese's anticipated Killers of the Flower Moon is doubling down on its October 20th nationwide release date. Apple, in partnership with Paramount, has set a wide global theatrical release date of October 20th for the historical epic. Nick the previous planned limited theatrical release on October 6th before going live. It will be also be released in IMAX, where available. The film already premiered at the Cannes Film Festival to critical praise, with the Hollywood Reporter's review of the film reading, quote, the three and a half hour running time is fully justified in an escalating tragedy that never loosens its grip, a sordid illustration of historical erasure with echoes in today's bitterly divisive political gamesmanship end quote so yeah scorsese is hoping that the timeliness of the subject matter that an earlier wide release date and partnership with the streaming giant will all kind of combine to help him make a big impact he's tried this with netflix before yes he's why tried this with the irishman with the, yeah, why do you three hours changing tact here what do you think the motivation was besides you know. Besides money? Yeah, money. Sorry, yes. Um, this is an audio podcast. <laughs> yes. So I actually think that this is kind of the reverse of the strike. So while actors cannot go out and promote these, the mm -hmm. DGA has signed their agreement with the studio. So someone like Martin Scorsese can go out and talk to and promote this film. And this, I mean, where we're at right now, it is a director's kind of uh, release where someone with a big name like Martin Scorsese can go out by himself and and release a film on name alone. Same thing yeah, with Christopher true. Nolan and Oppenheimer's. Kind of the same thing with Greta Gerwig and Barbie, but Barbie had Mattel and like a whole yeah, lot of nostalgia yeah. behind it. Right. But yeah, interested to see. I, I really just wish movies were shorter. Three and a half hours is a little bit more than I want to try out a new Scorsese movie for, but Maybe I'm wrong. That's why it's an apple, so you can pause it and go to the bathroom. <laughs> exactly. You will need to. All, All right. right. Let's move on to the last thing that 
we'll do today. That's it for movies. We wrapped up. We didn't watch any movies, so we don't have to talk about that. No, like I said, the, the Flash is available on Max. I haven't watched it. I don't think I plan on watching it. I'm not going to either. It's fine. We can skip it. But what we can't skip is one of our faithful listeners sent us in a fan question, and we've got it here to read on the show. Hey, Duders, got another question for you. I'm sure everyone can agree that no one in one million years would expect Disney to team up with Square Enix to make one of the most prolific games. But that did happen. Editor's note. (laughs) <laughs> that's a, I realize that that's what he's saying but yeah what other fusion slash crossovers have you always dreamed about or never thought possible hopefully I'm not stealing Matt's answer don't worry you're not but I always wanted to see the Pokemon meet Digimon I felt like that was a natural crossover anyways I had to read that as written thanks for taking my question look forward to, to your answer so crossovers uh, the biggest crossover events what do you think the future holds? Realistic or non-realistic? Biggest crossover since the car? <laughs> yes, yes. Since a, since a sport ute crossover. No. Um... Um, as I mentioned before, and part of my tinfoil hat theory is yes. that we will get a MCU versus DCEU uh, Kevin Feige versus James Gunn crossover 10 years down the line maybe it's, it's made in the comics maybe there is establishment it can yes. happen but the thing is is i don't think that's going to happen for one reason when it happened in the comics it was because the comics were doing terribly they both needed each other right now disney still makes money hand over fist on the mcu movies there is no incentive for them to enjoy invite the losers at DC over to their universe. I'm sorry. For one have movie. you seen Disney Plus shows for Marvel? Have I'm you not, seen the box office for Blue Beetle? Plus shows. Hmm, I still, hmm, hmm. I'm saying that the box office between Guardians of the Galaxy 3 earlier this year, compared to the Blue Beetle box office, <laughs> is night and day. There is no way they would want to deal, do a deal with Warner at this point, as long as they're underperforming in the way that they are. It doesn't make any sense financially for them. So I don't see it happening until both of them are in dire straits. All right. Not the band. In terms of other crossovers that probably won't happen anytime soon. Yes. Uh, I would, I mean, I would like to see, I know they've done this before, but a Law and Order five-night crossover event with each, with each night being a different version of Law and Order. Yeah. 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 I could see or, that. Or what, C- what uh, CBS could do is a five night CSI crossover of a killer, the cross country killer. Oh. Going to each of the different cities. That's terrifying. Yes. That but also fun. intriguing because you have the different crossovers of the different, um, different cities <laughs> and the different casts. I like how you're casting like old people shows. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to watch any of this. You're right. Um, you know, we should we should cast a crossover between like My Little Pony and um, <laughs> Adventure Time. <laughs> that could work. Yeah. Speaking of which, that Adventure Time uh, Fiona and Cake spinoff premieres this week. Uh, That's so what made me we'll, think of it. Yes. Yeah. So maybe we'll <laughs> talk about that next week. I've heard some interesting things about the premise of that. Uh, that seemed fascinating to me. But anyway, um, as for crossovers, let's see if I can think of one real quick before we wrap up. Because uh, I I know we've hit the buzzer here time wise. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I would love to see more Nintendo characters come into Mario Kart. I would love Kirby to show up in Mario Kart 8. I mean, everybody's been saying this, but it's great. Just put Pikachu in there. Why not? I would. Link's already there. Animal Crossing characters are there. Just put Pikachu and Kirby in there. Just make it a big party. Like Smash Brothers exists. You can also do it in Mario Kart. Nothing is stopping you. I would also love... Wouldn't it be the weirdest thing in the world if Naughty Dog finally just combined all of their franchises? Where it'd be like like fucking Ellie hanging out with Nathan Drake, hanging out with Jack and Dexter. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, just have a big party. It was just like, why not? Let's do it. There's no reason to be so serious. It's kind of easier to do it with video game characters because, mm-hmm. like you said, you have Smash Brothers, you have all these... Uh, multiverses, yeah. uh, PlayStation All Stars fighting games, right? Where that can exist, they can fight against each other. So having, I feel like that could be like a cop out. But <laughs> then again, we had Mario across rabbits, and that was a smash hit for the first yeah. game. Not necessarily sparks of hope for the second game, but the first yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, and don't forget about Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be a one-off that came into a annual thing, yeah, or say a quad annual thing. Every yeah, I guess years? so. Every Olympics. no biannual, like every two biannual. years, the Winter Olympics. Annual. So for twenty twenty, that game never existed. Um, <laughs> like yeah, like um, there's so many options. Video games, you're right, are a little easier because there's so much fantastical elements involved. I mean, as for like movies or TV, like I mean, I would be interested in seeing like a Disney, like Disney do something more interesting with Star Wars, like have a crossover with something else. Like, I feel like they should have more fun with Star Wars and stop treating it so so boringly, you know? Can we have a Star Wars film where it's a cross between um, Friday the 13th? Ooh, Star Wars horror movie would be good. Yes. I can like, see that. I mean, one, you have it already set in like a spaceship, so you have like an aliens theme. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or no, they own that. On... Oh my god. They own that. They own there aliens. It there it is. Star Wars aliens. Yeah. Oh my god. That's such it. a good we idea. Got to it. <laughs> we did it. Thank you for the fan question. You just earned us a million dollars. Sorry, TM, 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 TM. I'm gonna put that into an envelope. I'm gonna seal it. I'm gonna send it to myself. Then it's mine. No one can steal it. Don't do not steal. Original idea. Do not steal. All right. Anyways, All right. Star Wars. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. For us uh, on we'll this be podcast. back. We ended that. Here's on the outros. Great note. Um, let's do the outros real quick. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Media Boat Podcast with all of this news and thoughts plus more. We'll have thoughts about Starfield. Goodbye, Volcano High. More Ahsoka, probably. Um, we'll have talk about, like you just said, the Fiona and Cake Adventure Time spinoff. We'll talk about all sorts of stuff next week. So it's going to be a packed show. Until then, you can watch us on video on our YouTube channel. Search Media Boat Podcast. Like, subscribe, and comment. You can also find us at Audio Farm on podcast services like iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, search Media Boat Podcast. You can find us on social media on the artist formerly known as Twitter. We're at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast. Twitch.tv slash Media Boat. Tune in right after this to see, given give or take about 10 to 20 minutes, to start some Goodbye Volcano High. I'll be on stream tonight, so check it out at Media or Media Twitch.tv slash Media Boat. Check that out. And we're also on 
mediabookpodcast.com. And if you want to ask us a question that we'll read on the show, email us at mediabookpodcast at gmail.com. And that'll do it. Thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back next time. We'll be back next week with more news, more thoughts, more of us. Like you said, we got more stuff lined up already. All right, bye. Look forward to it. Bye.